And ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Drew Estate Cigar Studios. It's once again Saturday night, and it's the Spare Note Series. And for the first time ever, myself and William Cooper are joined by the beautiful Smokin' Nicole on the Spare Note Show, which is weird hey. because this is always just the Coop and Matt show, and now Nicole is here. Um, why is Nicole here? Um, other than the fact that she had nothing better to do on a Saturday night than to hang out with me and Coop, uh, she really needed to work on stuff for the charity, so she is out here, and she's going to be doing some work for the charity setup, which we'll talk about more in a little bit. Uh, and she also might contribute a little bit to the show, but uh, we, we do have a, a short selection a, of interesting topics to go over tonight. But as always, Coop, what's up, buddy? How are you? Hey, Matt, how's it going? Hey, Nicole, you're, you're more than welcome here, as I said, so <laughs> um, <laughs> no, um, I'm very happy to be here tonight. You know, this is uh, we had to miss a few weeks and uh, I'm I couldn't be happier. So can, uh, I, can I say something, Coop? So you can say, yeah, yeah. So since so since we have been on together on any show together, um, obviously, we, you know, we, we talk off the air all the time. But first time on the air together, I want to dedicate this show. To your dad, who has passed away recently, um, and uh, our, our thoughts and prayers are with you. I know it's been a difficult time. We love you very much. You're one of our best friends in the industry. We, we care about you guys a lot. So um, I know it's been a rough few weeks. Tonight's show, this one's for your dad. Thank thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, You're welcome, buddy. You know, I'll just say one thing about my dad and I. Um, you know, we're in the we, – we do a show about – tobacco and we talk about tobacco and outside of um my wife and kids no one everyone looked at me like i was doing something evil in my family and my dad was the one champion behind me and i'll never forget that and he supported me with what i was doing for right from the beginning even when we had some problems along the way so uh it means a lot so thank you absolutely coop yeah yeah no no problem uh, yep. get getting into um, getting into business though. Mm -hmm. uh, what are you smoking over there? Well, I'm smoking the uh, diesel whiskey row in the Churchill size, hmm. which I tell everyone if you're gonna smoke the whiskey row, this is the one size to smoke. It's the Churchill. It was a top 25 cigar a couple years ago on Coop in this size. Uh, size matters. Um, and actually, I'll do a little plug. Uh, April 7th is the five year anniversary of the primetime show, um, it's actually technically April 13th, but we're, we're going to do it April 7th. Um, and Justin Andrews from Diesel Cigars will be the special guest. Oh, nice. Show. So uh, Justin's a longtime friend of mine. Uh, and like I said, it's funny because when he, when they sent me this cigar in the Robusto, I, I was a little underwhelmed. And then people told me, you got to try the Churchill, you got to try the Churchill. So I went and bought some Churchills, and I'm like, wow, this is this is great in this size. So um, highly recommend it. Yeah, it's definitely one I'll have to check out. I haven't smoked much from the Diesel collection. Um, it's yeah, no. They, I think Justin's done some. Justin's actually hands-on with the blending with AJ, which is I could tell you, I've you know that's a fact that he really is. So he's not one of these guys just getting cigars from like AJ. He's actually very much involved with the process here. That's awesome. I um, I'm smoking the Liga Pravada H99. Um, if you saw our interview. With Jonathan Drew at TPE, you know that he put me on the spot. Yes. <laughs> and he asked me what I thought about it, and I said, I haven't had any yet because they've been so difficult to come by. Um, 
and it was just kind of an awkward moment. But whatever, that shit happens. Um, you know, that's what happens when you, when you uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just part of what we do. <laughs> but uh, since then, I have acquired several of them. Um, and so I smoked the first one today. Shout out to our friend Jeremy at Federal Cigar in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, hooking us up today with H99s. Um, as well as Joe Grow. Joe Grow threw a few our way, too. But yep, yep. Uh, we, we have a good handful of them now. So this is the first one that I've had. Now, what I will tell you is right off the bat, and I'm a, and I'm a Liga guy. Uh, Liga number nine is probably my favorite, followed by um, – a handful of the the Unico series. The the T fifty two is is a good cigar. It's a good quality cigar. Um, it's not my favorite flavor wise. It's just not. It's just not. It's just not my favorite. I will enjoy one from time to time if I'm like really like in the mood for it. But it's not like a go to grab for me. But that doesn't mean it's not a good cigar. I, it's still a very good quality cigar. And um, for those who do enjoy the flavor, it it is a a bang for the buck. The H99, I went into expecting something. I, f- I feel like I expect, I don't know why. I feel like I expected something really different. Um, this cigar, I notice really tight roll. Not too tight. There's a, lot of tobac- there's a lot of tobacco in that cigar, though. Yeah. There is, but not to the point where the draw is affected. Right, right. It still draws well, but you could tell it's a tight pack. Um, it's burning very slow. I've already been smoking this for like two hours. Um, now, admittedly, we've been working, so like I've been a little on and off, but for the most part, it's been burning very slow. Um, good flavor, not as peppery and spicy as I anticipated it to be. I don't know why I expected it to be a lot more. Uh, it's a much more muted than I anticipated, but it's not bad. The flavor is still good. Now I never had the original releases of these. You have, and so and I know you've smoked the originals and you've smoked the the newer batches, um, so you can speak to a little bit more. But I know you have said that you thought these don't taste the same as when they first came out. I I I will stay by that um, because even we got some pre-release some ones at the 2018 trade show. They didn't have the final bands on it. Um, and I smoked some at the show, and I smoked some months later. Uh, very good cigar. It seemed like it had a little more of that spice component. Uh, it seemed like that first one had a little more complexity, too. Now, the second one, I think, just has better overall flavor, and it has better overall balance. It may not be as complex, but um, I do think that w- I, I do think something was tweaked in that blend. I'm, I'm, I'll swear by it. Like, no one's told me this, but... It just to me, I'll have to see how they age, obviously. But um, you know, I was I was pleasantly surprised with it. Um, so I haven't smoked any probably in about two and a half to three years though. So I had to kind of go on my recollections of that. Mm-hmm. Um, on that, I know Eric from Dojo like loves that cigar. I think they gave uh, the cigar number two, right? Uh, they had it somewhere high. Yeah. Yeah, it was high on the Dojo list. Uh, yeah, I so think... he gave I, he, Joe actually had sent me some for the review, and those are gonna be reviewed. But Eric gave me one when I saw him in Miami. He happened to have an extra one, and so that was my experience of smoking the one he gave me. It's very close to what you say, so I'm not disagree. I think you're you're in the wheels, but I think they traded off some of the complexity just for better flavor and balance. So I would still pick this over T52. 
um, because I feel I, I, I enjoyed this more than the T52. Um, just the flavor wise, I, I would I would go for this first. Uh, I think I think I would still go for a number nine first. I think that's number nine. I think for me will always be my number one go to Liga, um, followed by Ratzilla Velvet Rat. Um, the feral flying pig is a, is a, is a favorite of mine too. Yeah, I really do like that one. Um, the L forty Lancero. You know, I'm a big Lancero guy. It didn't wow me to be didn't honest. Didn't wow me. And um, even for a Lancero, it didn't wow me. Uh, and I, I was really disappointed because um, I was, I don't know, I just, I was, I wanted more from that cigar. And it just wasn't enough, I feel like. Um, yeah, you know, what's interesting is what you talk about 9 and 52. So my first cigar of the year, 2009, was the T52 in the Toro size. Yeah. Now, I prefer the, the T52, I prefer that in a larger ring. The number nine, on the other hand, I think performs much better in like the Corona sizes, um, those petite sizes. So I tend to gravitate to the number nine in, in, in those smaller sizes, but the T52 in the bigger sizes. In fact, I really didn't like the T52 in those smaller sizes, to be honest with you. Really? Yeah. I've always, and you know what, I don't think I've had a smaller size T52, but for me, like I've always smoked it in, I want to say I smoked it in the Toro. And then I've smoked a couple of the Corona Doble. Um, and again, it was good, and it's a good quality cigar. But it, the flavor for me was just kind of it, it wasn't it wasn't hitting my palate just right. Mm -hmm. At times, it was just you know. But I could see how other people might love it, and and and, and again, that's why I, I don't yeah. say that it's a bad cigar. It's a it's a good cigar. It's just flavor wise, it didn't really hit me the right way. And um, it's a it's a specific flavor, and like I said, like if I'm in the mood for that, I'm like, you know what, I really could go for a T52 right now. I'll have one. But yeah. nine times out of ten, when I go for a Liga, I'm going for a number nine or like a if I have any Velvet Rats or something like that. Um, this cigar, I would probably put again. I'd probably put closer to the upper middle of that lineup. Um, I would smoke these on a regular basis. Um, I enjoy the cigar. I think it's 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 muted enough for me on the spice notes and the peppery notes that I'd be like, this is good. Um, excited to smoke more of them though, just to kind of see, because again, this is only one, mm -hmm. so I'm excited to see like right. how a few of them do, um, and kind of go from there. But so far, it's good. It's good. It's it's yeah. not what I expected, but it's good. That's my final oh. takeaway. All right. So first impression. Let's go first impressions for a second. And you, one of the answers could be the Jose Blanco, no habla inglés answer. <laughs> was, your, was your first impressions of the H99 better than your first impressions of the Underground 10? No. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm not I disagreeing first, with you, by the way. I'm not disagreeing I, with you either. Yeah, when I had the number 10, I was like, holy yeah. shit, this is good. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, wow. Um, I'm not disagreeing at all. That it, and that's it, not a knock on it. And that's not a knock on it, by the way, either. Even all the way back to when they were unbanded for the freestyle, somehow we ended up with like four freestyle sets when they were doing that one. Right. And right. so I had, and there was like three. So I had like 12 of them and when they were unbanded. And somehow I just, I don't know. I think there was a shipping mix up and like the first set, because me and Nicole were supposed to each have one. And I think they, they got lost. 
And so then they, they sent a replacement set. But then the first set ended up coming, like, late. But they still showed up. So we had, like, extra. And I was like, all right. And when we smoked them, I was like, oh, my God, these are awesome. So before they were even out, I had all these extra ones. And I was already smoking them. I was like, these are so good. Um, I went into it kind of with a certain expectation. And that certain expectation was pretty much, for the most part, met. This, uh, it didn't let me down. But it just wasn't what I thought it was going to be. So I think that would be my, my final answer on that question. Okay. I it's a good question, though. I like that, though. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that doesn't, like, mean you may come around and say, hey, this is eventually smoking better. So sure. I, I just I kind of was just curious because obviously that was your number one cigar of the year. So, you know, here's another thing out of the company's portfolio. It's, it's, I think it's a fair comparison to kind of see where, where it's at with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, and that's where and that's where it makes this whole thing what it is. I mean, cigars yeah. cigars can change with age, and yep. um, you know, I just started coming here. Uh, Mitchell said maybe those first batch coupe had were more fresh, and they let this and they let this Fair. batch rest more. Um, yep. it's true. That very true. It's there's 100%. no. It could be hundred percent true. Yep. You know, the the ones that we're smoking right now, they could have been sitting longer than those other ones. Yeah, and, and, and the good news changes yeah. everything. No, and the good news is it was more favorable what's out now so that's mm -hmm. kind, of, kind of i think that's a strong statement to make absolutely <coughs> again takeaway good classic uh drew estate liga style a lot of smoke production still very oily looking wrapper in the beginning real nice looking wrapper um burns really really nice real smoky um that was not a surprise right there that's a that's what i expected from it um which is good so again i great cigar um, moving on to other business, because we could, we could fangirl over Liga all night as much as I'd love to. Mm -hmm. yep, yep. Um, I actually, and then if, if we get to it, I have two other cigars here. Uh, one of them I've had before it, I, it, I found it in one of my traveling, I had a Opus X Power Ranger. Uh, but the other one is another first time for me. So I haven't smoked any of these yet. I have a box, but I haven't smoked them yet. And that is, uh, the illustrious intergalactic. Seeker of the finest tobaccos. The mascot, what I think the mascot of the tobacco industry should be, or at least the premium cigar division. Um, one Jonathan P. Tobacconaut from Room 101. Oh, okay, so I thought you were going to talk about the, for a second, you thought you were going to say the intergalactic. Yeah, but inter there's an intergalactic cigar. Yeah, no, the so inter intergalactic. That's what Matt calls them. The intergalactic seeker of, uh, what, did, what did he say? The intergalactic, the seekers of intergalactic flavor. I don't know, some shit yeah. like that. Matt style. But I do have yeah, one yeah. in front of me if we get to it. Yeah. So a giant tobacco. Uh, have you had one? I have that. I, the new one. I have one. I have it. Yeah. Oh, uh, and I have the the shakes, the snake shake. Oh yeah. yeah I have yeah. that. So yeah, uh, I just got those when I was gone, when I was traveling. They came. So, uh, yeah. So I'm pretty excited to smoke that. Uh, so yeah, maybe we'll get to that uh, at some point in the show. I'm, I'm. About almost at the two, th um, yeah, about two thirds of the way through this this H99. So I mean, we, we, get, we get some time. So I might get to it. Mm -hmm. yep. Um, I think the biggest thing. So the biggest thing that we should talk about on the show tonight, um, that has flourished since we were last together. Um, and I have it right here in front of me. When you know a printer, you can get anything made into a book you want. Um, and Nicole's dad is a printer, so I can get anything I want printed and bound. Uh, this is the NASM report that came out a few weeks ago 
on the premium cigar industry. Um, I do have a physical copy. It's homemade, but it still gets the job done. Um, I have highlights in here and, and, and page markers and, and stuff um, that I picked up on that I think is important. Mm -hmm. um, we, we, we can dice. We can. We're not going to do like a full review of this report, but there's some certain parts of this report. Yep. Yep. That I think that we should talk about. Um, I don't know where to start with it though. I'm still, I'm still like all over this book right now with a highlighter. So I'm going to let you kind of start us off with it and then we can kind of break, break it down from there. Um, for those who don't know, we'll do a quick recap, let everyone know what this is, why it's here and what it will do to the industry. So there was, this goes back to last year. Uh, when the FDA in court, in a uh, federal court, was pretty much told, you guys got to go back to the drawing board uh, with your regulations, specifically around substantial equivalence. And, um, you know, so come back to me, you know, at some point with that. But in the meantime, you can't enforce these regulations until you come back with something. So the FDA is planning on doing that, or they're probably in the process of doing that. Uh, one thing that they... Uh, one thing what they did is um, they commissioned a uh, an organization called the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine, which is NASM, to conduct a study on premium cigars. Um, the, the big document that Matt has is entitled Premium Cigars, Patterns of Use, Marketing, and Health Effects. And those three, those three terms are really the three components of that report. It's not a uh, fancy title. It's... Patterns of use, which is a big thing, um, I could tell you that goes on. Uh, marketing, which uh, we will talk about, and and health effects, which is, is the obvious. Um, and uh, there was, you know, it, I thought overall they did a they did a comprehensive job, but not comprehensive enough because there's still so many areas that require more research there. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought the other interesting thing was that you know they kind of pointed out the fact that we like we're 15 years into the fight with the FDA and no one has agreed on the definition of a premium cigar yet. So they totally took agree. a def yep. So they took a definition. They they kind of assumed one. And I was talking to John McTavish, uh, the cigar surgeon of Developing Palettes, and he pointed out that he thinks this this definition was taken from the Altria definition. Uh, when they kind of submitted their comments a few years ago. Uh, he said this was the one that close, most closely aligned with that. So I didn't come up with that. He did um, as far as that goes. So I think there's there's some things that the industry took. We'll get into this. I think the, the cigar industry, namely the trade organizations, namely the, P, uh, the PCA, were pumping their fists about, like they were happy about this. Um, I think there's guys like me who looked at the marketing piece and said, what the fuck? Um, I hope someone's going to go to bat for us because there's some there's some things to be very worried about for what we do. Yep. And then I think the health effects were no real big surprises, maybe a couple of incorrect assumptions that were made, but no big – nothing that we – nothing that that study really had any shock factor with. Yeah, I mean, so I'm going to go right to page 141. Um, He's got this all bookmarked, which is great because I didn't have this bookmarked. This is what I 
It is nicer to have it on paper. So yeah, it really is. Yeah, I can like see. Yeah. Going it. So I'm going to read some parts of this book, too, so that people can actually understand what is written in this. So you can hear the words that are written for yourself so you know like what we're talking about. We're not making uh, all assumptions or we're not just making just yeah. all interpretation. Like we're, we're taking it for what, what was read. So if you go to page 138, you have concept of premium. As discussed in Chapter 1, the definition of premium cigars has not been consistent, thus complicating the committee's assessment on their, of their marketing and promotional activities. Quote, premiumiza premiumization is a marketing strategy that has been used by tobacco companies to encourage consumers to use more expensive brands by um, by purporting that there are better quality and less harmful than mid-priced or discount brands. Although studies specific to the word premium in cigar marketing are limited, research indicates that consumers perceive premium products to be linked with rewarding experiences, exclusive fun, endowed status, or superior craftsmanship. Um, right away, I mean, essentially, with the premium handmade cigar industry, specifically, you and could be, and obviously, you jump right in on on any of this. Um, essentially, yeah, I mean, we, we we've always tried to to, at least in our own defense, as premium handmade cigar smokers, that yeah, it it is a different product. It's not the same. It. It is a higher end product. It is a higher quality product. There's higher quality tobaccos being used. It's it's a more expensive product to make. You know, these are not machine made cigars that are being pumped out by the thousands every minute. Um, you know, it, it it is something more a little more rewarding. Now, obviously, yeah, some of us smoke more of them than others, and to some they are special occasions, celebratory, whatever. Some of us it's just for the love of the game, um, and that's why we do it. But, yeah, I mean, I, I understand, like, you know, I, like, where, they, where they're going with that. I think it's important to, to kind of have that differentiated, you know, to other, you know, cigar products. Um, would, you, would you agree with that writing as it was written? You're on mute. Oh, start over. Rookie error. <laughs> oh, rookie error. Okay. Um, yeah, I pretty much agree with it. Uh, there was a comment that you read along the way um, yep. that said it kind of mentioned something about price or something that would reference what could be price. If you guys remember about like if you go back about six, six, seven years ago, that was something that was on the table in putting into the definition of a premium cigar, namely it has to cost X number of dollars. Mm hmm. Um, and you know, a lot of that was like, well, you guys are premium products. You shouldn't have a product, a problem, problem with that. But it caused a lot of, um, things because, you know, what do you, you know, if you have a petite cigar or something like that. So, you know, that's always been something that, and that could have catastrophic effects on the industry if that ever happens. So right. it's good that that was avoided here, like in this report, they didn't make an assumption like that. And I think this is a group that's more science driven. Uh, they're not focused on the business ends of things, even though they investigated marketing per se. But uh, you know, so that was good news there. If you go to page 141, about halfway down, this is another part that has been talked about a lot. Uh, and, and again, this is more on the media, the marketing part of it first. Um, this is something I hear everyone always bring up, like, oh, they mentioned this. Uh, you might hear people refer to the fact that they called out Drew Estate. Uh, I'm going to read to you exactly what was written about Drew Estate um, so that you understand. One premium cigar brand, Drew Estate, had several email ads, see figure 4-2, uh, 
that promoted an in-person entertainment event slash festival to celebrate its 25th anniversary, also known as DE25. And the, quote, re- the Rebirth of Cigars movement, promoting branded items, new cigars, and live music featuring rock and hip-hop. These ads used graffiti images with the logo of the Manhattan Bridge and pictures of musical artists who would be featured at the festivals. These DJs and musicians gained popularity from the 90s to the 2000s. Some of these email ads featured only the brand logo with an image and a description of DJs and musicians without the mention of any premium cigar products. These promotional efforts that highlighted DJs and musicians were part of a larger tobacco industry movement to use music to appeal to consumers. The same strategy was used for menthol cigarettes and the Kool-Aid mix campaigns in Mm -hmm. Newport music festivals. So this is where parts of this report are trying to, well, maybe whether they're trying to or not, they're essentially the picture is being painted, no matter how you want to slice it. The picture is being painted that the accusation, and again, this is where the other marketing stuff comes into play, which we will touch on again, um, the appeal to kids or, or underaged uh, persons I, I, from buying I don't tobacco. Know if, okay, I don't know if that said that. I took it differently, but I see what you're saying. I took it as, hey, these are just ways to spread the word about tobacco, and hey, they're going to use these, these common things to kind of get, get it in there. But I don't disagree with what you said either that that's something they can easily say, well, kids there, right? A kid's at this, you know, barbecue or something, you know, you know, this, you know and that, that's where it gets a little tricky. That's, I think, where they'll use it against us with the kids. Um, because they did say in the report, Matt, that later on that they don't be- – it's kind of like they almost said that we, they didn't see real evidence this was going towards kids. Right. Um but I think they're gonna, I think the FDA is going to try to use it that way is what I'm saying. So I don't disagree with you is what I'm saying. I think you just built on exactly everything that I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's not necessarily – and that's what I meant before by it's not necessarily trying to paint the picture that that's what it is. But that picture is still there because someone can still take that and use it. And they can turn it into what – you know, like for example, the FDA. They can take that and turn it into their own interpretation of – well, but we think that that you know would market to younger people who would be interested in that. And I'm right. trying, and I'm trying to find it. I thought I had it highlighted, but there is a section in, in one of these pages in this in this specific area. And uh, I thought I had it highlighted. I'm I'm trying to find it, but I'll I'll find it in time, where it said specifically that uh, certain things like that, and a, and a few other examples we haven't talked about yet, um, could be appealing to younger people. It did say that, word for yeah. word. It was in this book. I read it yesterday. Uh, I'll, I'll find it in a second. But that, those words were written in here. So, uh, uh-huh. again, and like, and like you said, the FD, whether or not that they actually think it's going to be that way, those words were written. The FDA will still take that and go, huh, 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 huh see, there it is. Uh, yeah. I, I guarantee you the problem. Yeah. Oh, you're right. And I guarantee you that comes out of this is now every major event is going to have must be 21 to get in, proof of age required. Mm-hmm. I guarantee that you're going to start seeing that. I haven't even talked to Drew State, but I'm, I'm t- on this. But I, I would bet that because no one's going to want to try to be flagged on that No, next time. Now, if you go to the next page, which is something that you brought to my attention, mm-hmm. on page 142, there's two photographs. Uh, I'll try and hold it up. I know the camera doesn't always grab when you hold stuff up, but I'll, 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 I'll try this. Essentially, you can kind of make out, you know what I'm talking about. You know what that is. That is yep. the famous Arturo Fuente, Birthplace of a Dream ad that you've seen in four pages of Cigar Aficionado. If you've been down to Tampa, you've seen it in the airport. 
um, which figure 4-1 paid, no names were mentioned, but paid advertisement spreads from a single premium cigar brand, Arturo Fuente, in a major U.S. airline's in-flight magazine. So now they're trying to be like, well, you know, you're promoting cigars in a in a flight magazine, which is on airplanes, and anyone has access to it. It's not like, you know, an adult magazine um, where only kids would see it. Anyone could see this. It's, it's you know, they could be reading this and, and see some appeal here. Uh, yep. And again, no one's saying like we're trying to go after kids, but it's there. But that's how they're gonna say. That's a big point. And that's what they're gonna say. Well, the kid, the kid could thumb through the magazine, right? Exactly. Uh, it's all about how the FDA will take it and turn it around. Yeah, and that was the part that was a lot more scary to me when I saw that piece. Um, are you really going to – it's saying, hey, they're going to try to go after stuff like that now. And look, you've seen this happen with – we saw this happen with cigarettes now. Um, now, online could be a different story because we may be able to put in some gating controls in there. But even – you know, I don't know how the FDA is really satisfied with those – you know, you see those sites, hey, are you 21 and over – and you know, everyone's gonna click yes. I I think it's gonna have to be a little stronger, that, but yeah, uh, that's that's a major problem. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, in in and again, this like you said, this report, it's had some good things and it's had some bad things. Ultimately, especially the gray area stuff. Yeah. I look at the gray area stuff as potentially being negative, because even though it's not yay or nay, and even some of the stuff that looks positive. The FDA will still take the the information that's here and try to find a way to use it against us. Even if to us it seems like, well, yeah, but see, like we didn't they'll find a way to twist it around and be like, yeah, but like when you look at it this way, um, you know, this is how we feel that it could be damaging or it could be, you know, against against underage people and try to be appealing to them. And that's what we're trying to stop. And that's ultimately the first battle with the FDA is that they don't want kids on tobacco. That's number one. Number two is the whole flavored thing and flavors and cigars, which kind of piggybacks onto number one because the argument has always been that the flavored stuff has been appealing to kids. So those are like your two, I would say, the first hot topics when you get into that discussion. Uh, on the FDA side, it's 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 all the things that make it appeal to kids because at the end of the day, they don't want more people getting into tobacco products. You appeal to the younger generation, you get them into it. Um, you know, you, you keep it going. They, if they had their way, they would just put an end to it and be done. So it's all about stopping that next generation from getting into it for them. Yeah, um, and that was why I've been so like – I've heard people give this – and I'm, I'm going to say it's a ridiculous argument. Well, no, you have to be 21 to get into a cigar store. That's not what they're looking at here. Mm-hmm. How many kids had – I mean, when I was 17, I had people go sneak and buy me beer. So I was able to get beer at, like, 17. I'm just saying. So it's it's the access to some of the product, and this is when we're going to get into some of the marketing stuff in more detail, that this is what they're looking at, and this is what, what they're going to go after. They're not going to go after the fact that Risse's Munchies are sold in a store where you have to be 21 or over. That's not the issue here. Yeah, they don't it's, care it's where a, it's sold. They, they, they don't care. They don't care about that. They care that it's there and that it's still. The way they look at it is like if, if kids really want it, they're going to get it. If you're yep. appealing it to them and it makes it to them, I, it looks like, oh, ice cream. Oh, I, gotta have I always cold. got my beer at 17. I'm going to tell you, that. I never failed to get my beer. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think there's a lot of kids like and I've had I have teenage boys. I had teenage boys. There was none of them that were ever trying to get premium cigars. I can tell you they've been trying. They tried to get other stuff. Uh, but but not premium cigars. 
and kids will always be kids. I mean, that's just how yeah. it is. I mean, it doesn't yeah. matter what you do. <laughs> you know, you, you try to crush a whole industry over the fact yeah. that kids are going to be kids. They're going to do what they want anyway. Yeah. Uh, one way or the other, they're gonna they're gonna get their hands on stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I'm I'm really shocked to hear you say that you were an underage drinker, Coop. I I didn't think that you were the type. Um, I never was heavy. <laughs> I never I was never a heavy drinker. I've never been. But but you know, it was kind of like um, you know, it's kind of like you know the the uh, the chase. It was a fun thing to do. It was a chase. Right. To be able, to, we got it. You know, come on over and hang out with us. That was that was like the thing uh, that uh, we did. Uh, so I actually found what I was looking for earlier, and it's on page one fifty. It's the summary and conclusion to that to that section, um, and I have it highlighted here, and I'll read it. Um, and Mark, Mark, we're doing Playboy is not part of this. Yeah, we were doing that too, Mark. I, absolutely, at twelve, we were we were burying them in the backyard. Yeah, <laughs> really, we had. We I had him at twelve. Them. That was about the age I got him. We put them um, in a, uh, one of those hefty bags, and we put it in the and bury it in the backyard. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> summary and conclusion: The committee observed in the Mintel data set that one premium cigar brand, Drew Estate, had several. Well, I, that, I mean, it's kind of a repeated of earlier. I'll skip that. Um, let me try to find. All right. So these findings led the committee to conclude that marketing strategies used by premium cigar companies include festivals, themes of an urban lifestyle hip-hop, and rock music, which may appeal to young people. Based on its review of the Mintel data and Cigar Lifestyle magazines, the committee concludes. Conclusion 4-2. Based on the committee's primary data collection, there is conclusive evidence that premium cigar companies use lifestyle magazines and festivals to promote premium cigars. Some of these marketing strategies, such as sponsoring music festivals and promoting their products with an urban lifestyle and hip-hop and rock music, may appeal to young people. But the first part that's not not untrue. They we the industry does use festivals to promote their product. Yeah, yes they do. Right. Uh, I don't think, but I think it's their own festivals. It's not like they're sponsoring a, a rock festival to do it. Is what I'm saying. There's a, there is a difference. Uh, you know, compared to the old Newport Newport, you know, those old Newport festivals. And Which, I just I just want to acknowledge. I know there's a lot of comments right now, and I and mm -hmm. I and I am seeing them. Um, if I'm not addressing every single one right now. Uh, I will try to when I can. Um, sure. Yep. I'm just trying to get through this with Coop right now, just for the sake of covering it. Um, but some of the, I mean, Jay is here, Mitchell's here. Um, so in, and they and there's some good points and and comments being made. Yeah, all great. I, I just want to make comment. sure. Yeah. yeah. I want to make sure everyone knows we 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 acknowledge it's good. Um, so, um, but yeah, like, so let me let me take a step back so maybe I can I can cover some of these. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Uh, Jay Davis, uh, which actually, can I bring this up on screen really quick? Yes. Let me pull can it you up. bring up that, oh, that the first, first one? Oh, I yeah. Just, oh, I just stole my keyboard. Rookie move. Rookie move. Jay Davis, I'll read it while you find that. Jay Davis wrote, The report was filled with anecdotes and no science. For an organization that claims to do science, it was disappointing. I learned more about cigars after my heart attack in 2017 when reviewing the four old studies from the 1970s and the 1980s. If they were serious, they would do actual scientific research instead of 520 pages of I don't know, I guess, I assume, and I think so. Um, Mitchell wrote following, But those are age-restricted events. They can't be marketed towards kids. The other, cigarette, the other cigarette events used a kid's drink mascot and were open to everyone and were not age-restricted events. 
Jay Davis commented, attacking the li- attacking lifestyle and cigar aficionado in the report makes an assumption that this appeals to kids. Really? Question mark. That's like saying strip clubs are alluring to ipso facto. They must appeal to kids. Um, yeah, I hear what Jay's saying on that. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but again, I think the, our they're different. These festivals are you know our festivals is what I'm saying. Um, and, and I don't I don't I don't understand what this, this is. Uh, you know, I just don't see the connection with kids in in this case. You know, hey. Maybe, you know, I just, I don't, but they're going to try to. That's the problem. So those little cards are going to be dealt. And again, so as we continue this conversation and we give you examples, this is us trying to show you how this is what was said word for word and how it can go either way. So even though they write this, it can still be taken and turned around. Yeah. Um, And remember, the FDA can, is under, under no obligation to take this advice. Uh, and they can do whatever they want with the advice they're given here, mm-hmm. the rec- or the recommendations, advice of bad with the recommendations. They, so, unfortunately, they're not bound to anything, and, and there is maybe there isn't a clear. They don't have to go and hey, can you reclarify what you mean by fest? You know, that, that they don't have to do that, and that's that's what's dangerous about what they can go back to the drawing board with. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the next part that I wanted to bring up because it's kind of related, but it's in a, it's a different topic marketing on the internet and social media now this is something that is newer to the cigar industry and we're going to see this continue to roll out as time goes on right um the very first part of this says the internet which includes social media platforms has become a popular venue for the tobacco industry to market products because it is a lightly regulated and can reach a large number of people quickly at a low cost which is true um Tobacco promotion and marketing on social media was uncommon when Monograph 19 was published in 2008. Since 2008, evidence is growing that tobacco promotion is occurring on social media using strategies such as influencers and celebrities, paid online banner advertisements, and branded accounts without sufficient regulation. So, what that means is, that paints a target on everyone's back who uses social media with cigar-related use. Um... That also paints the target on the back of influencers. Um, you know, you see a lot of them on Instagram or mm-hmm. Facebook or whatever. Look, this is not me saying that they're bad. Don't I know how th- these people take these things? Like, oh, well, they're bad. No, we're not bashing anybody. We're we're, we're telling. I need to make this clear because the people come out of the woodwork and they hear one word or they hear three words, they, and, and then they go and then yeah. they go. Oh, we hate influencers. So I know. We, we've, st- we've been. You and I have been down this road too. Yeah. I'm stressing this point before everyone cries foul right. because if you do, yeah. I will come back at you, and I'm going to use just straight facts. Okay. Normally I don't engage, but I will. Okay. That's not what we're saying here. But what we are saying is that this report has specifically targeted people to try and say, like, oh, hey, well, they're using influencers and celebrities and socialites and these p- and these people on social media to help push cigar products. Now, that's going to be taken as, all right, well, there needs to be a ban on social media where kids have access to it. It's unregulated, and it's it's difficult to just do pick and choose for what age you are. When you go on Instagram, you post certain things on there, it's there. There's no way to really filter it from kids or not. It's usually just it's wide open. That tells us that there's going to be a threat that they go, well, you can't do anything like that on social media. Gone. Yeah, it's a problem. That's what that is. 
So, by the way, and it's by the way, it affects that affects me and you and, and everything. Um, yeah, because what they're saying is, what this report's saying is, you know, these these are bad people, uh, the bloggers, the influencers, the magazines, because and they're using social media to spread the word. Now, I think that social media has been very lax using age gaming. Um, the cigar coop page is age controlled. My personal page isn't, but I don't have any real kids on my access to my personal page. And it's pretty locked down, but but still, I share stuff on my personal page, which which is not always the way to do it. So, um, you know, and I, and I see a lot of people's YouTube videos aren't age controlled. Right. Um, my advice is if you're doing any sort of media, age control that stuff. Um, don't forget the FDA coming down to you. You don't want one one of these uh, providers coming down on you. No. Either. Um, so I mean. I'm not, that's a little. That's a little. Just a little commentary I'm making off of that, but the fact is that we do use those. Ty- they, cigar companies do use those types of things, right? And they use it because they can't, you know, do certain types of advertising, right? So now, now they're essentially saying, they're, the message from NASM to me was, they shouldn't be any advertising. Like this is these are. It was almost implying it was an evil thing to do. Maybe I'm. If I'm reading that wrong, let me know. That's why I, when I said to you yesterday on the phone, I said, that part I thought was the most dangerous part of the report for people like me. Mm-hmm. When I looked at it, I'm like, holy shit. Yep. Uh, imagine if someone in the FDA gets hold of this and decides to run with it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and that's why I made sure that, that I highlighted that and I made sure we brought that up because it's the specific points of, you know, it affects not I mean, not just everyone else, I, but it does affect us too. But I, I don't we're think all in it together. Yeah, yeah. I don't think any kid watches our shows. No. Live. Um, I don't think anyone will be interested in it. But still, I mean, that's what they're going to try to say to us. Um. So M- Mitchell asked a question. So should we stop posting cigars on Instagram? I I don't. I, look, I'm not telling you you should stop. I don't think. Nah. I don't think you should stop. I think that you know. And this is where it gets a little political. And yeah, some people won't like it. But I I think I have to kind of I have to go here right now. Um. I my belief is that in the United States of America. You know, you pay taxes and you contribute to society and you follow the rules and you don't, you know, um, you know, you lead a pretty good life, you know, and you're a citizen of this country. Then you have the right to live your life the way you want. This is why this is the United yeah. States. It's a free country. Uh, it's why we have the First Amendment right to free speech. We can say whatever we want to. Um, you know, the way I look at it is, you know, look, I understand that there's organizations like the FDA or whatever that that, that don't like this, but. You know, the argument on our side is first and foremost, well, you know, we have a right. You know, we have a right as people to, you know, in this country, we have the freedom to live our lives the way we want to. You want to have an Instagram and you love cigars because that's a passion of yours and you want to share that with, with some of the people who are like you. I think that everyone has every right to do that. Um, and it's unfortunate that we get to a point where there's people that are trying to, you know, make that look like it's it shouldn't be. I think that just take everything else off the table. I think that goes against your rights as an American citizen. That's and I think that's yeah. really the biggest thing. You know, yeah. I was talking to Glenn Loop about the whole plain packaging thing. And one of the things he said was one of the arguments we have is and again, take everything off the table, you know, you try to mute uh it, it goes against it goes against, you know, like our right for free speech and and freedom of press and and all that like you're going to try to mute our stuff and what we say. Like we have a right to do that. You know, it, it just as anybody else does, regardless of what the topic is, we have a right to say it. 
you know like those people out there that are horrible people you know and they and they say things that are not good but the fact of the matter is is i mean technically they have a right to say what they want to you know because they have that right and it's the same for us like we have a right to enjoy cigars and we have a right to talk about it that's what it boils down to for me and i know that that's not it's not as easy as that i get it but ultimately that's really what it should be is this is our right you know, we, it's a lifestyle, you know. Um, but that's the fine line. And sorry, I'm chiming in now. No, that's um, okay. But the fine line is that as a consumer, you have a right. What they would want to control is the actual manufacturer or, or companies using it for advertising because there has been a history of people taking advantage and targeting children that they weren't able to control. And now they control because of that. I mean, Coop, right? it's no secret. So like, And to anyone who's over the age of... 40 um when you were a kid i mean there were cigarette ads everywhere you yeah joe, you, had, uh, you had joe camel i i, I remember marlboro man and joe camel yeah you had uh, marlboro man joe camel uh they uh, the the big cigarette companies they were targeting kids they wanted kids to see and go that's cool i gotta get smokes because well, that's and it cool. was that, that was, the was the, that was the strategy well it well, was a different even, time and it was a different time but that's not yeah. what we're doing yeah, here. It was a different – Yeah, even Macanudo, that brand was started with the idea of targeting – Edgar Coleman did that with the idea of targeting young smokers. The narrative's changed so much now. And and here's the thing. If you go put in Google – like this is why like – last week there was a whipped cream cigar and a fried apple pie cigar, right? If you put in whipped cream cigar in Google, you'll see what you'll come up with. That's kind of the point is like I was kind of making earlier on some of this stuff is – that's why I've been taking a very strong position against this type of packaging, uh, because it does put it does expose it can expose a kid to that. I'm not saying it happens. I'm, I'm probably so rare, but why give the FDA that reason to say it can happen? Mm -hmm. That that's my point. Like like, chance how many kids are typing in whipped cream cigar? Probably one in a million, maybe. Right? Yeah, better chance. But, than they're, for but they're gonna cream say vodka. it. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna say it. Exactly, hundred percent. Wow, there's a whipped cream cigar in a uh, like a ready whip container. And again, so let's let's also just yeah, wow for, man. For, for the certain groups out there that are so defensive. Nobody's targeting you. Nobody's looking at you. No one's pointing a finger. You all know who you are. We're not attacking you. We're just saying that it's reports like this that are a problem. That they're gonna try and say wow. that the things that you guys think are just for fun are going to be used against us that is this is all third party here right. this is not me yeah. saying it. it's not coop saying it. we're just we're only translating yeah. what this report uh, says and you're gonna and you're gonna increase the cost this industry is having in battling uh in courts uh, with, with needing lobbyists now to kind of give this type of messaging all you're doing is you're, you're just increasing the cost this industry is going to have to fight for survival right now I, and that's kind of where i'm like you know is this really that important um that that's kind of what my position has been. Is it really that important to have a munchie cigar or a fried apple pie cigar? You know. Um, yeah, I, I I agree. Uh, Jay Davis, I think this is supposed to be a joke. Uh, just don't put whipped cream in American Pie in your browser. Don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. That would. Actually, be, I mean, maybe. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, unless that's your thing. I mean. Listen, we all remember. Oh no! In two, it, was it 1999 when Jim Levenstein fucked the pie? I mean, 
that's your thing. That's your thing. Oh, oh well, I guess. <laughs> oh, geez, Doug, you don't want to do what Jay just said. <laughs> <laughs> um. So anyway, um, <laughs> see what we deal with on the spare note show. This is not like the regular show. Uh, I just <laughs> I gotta get Coop to giggle. You know, that's part of what I part of what I do here on Saturday night. Um. And there's a lot of other stuff as I as I continue to flick through. There, there was yeah. something there was something in in here that's not so much on the market. It was just something I found interesting. Is it? If you go to page one sixty four, table four five. There's a chart in here, which I just thought was interesting, and it was tobacco product characteristics and purchasing behaviors among adult, current established traditional cigar, premium and non-premium, cigarillo, filtered cigar, and cigarette smokers. Path study wave four, twenty sixteen to twenty seventeen. Um, so basically, what this is is there's there's four there's four columns here: premium cigars, non-premium cigars, cigarillos, filtered cigars, and cigarettes. Um, and then it uh, has filtered cigars. Okay. And then the first line on the left side is has a regular brand. So the percentage. So there's a so what percentage of each of those categories um, has a regular brand that they smoke? Cigarettes is 92.5, and I don't think that comes to any shock. Cigarette smokers, I mean, if you smoke Marlboro Reds. You smoke Marlboro Reds. That's it. You're not smoking Pall Mall. You're not smoking Newports. You smoke Marlboro Reds. That's what you smoke. You're buying two packs every other day. Filtered cigars, 68%. Cigarillos, 74.8%. Non-premium cigars, 73.8%. Premium cigars. Do you know what the percentage of premium cigars is? It's 38. Interesting. 38% of the people... Have a regular brand that they smoke. So it's higher than I thought. It's higher than I would have thought. Yeah, I thought it was it's just again. Like, it's, this is not. This is just something I, I find interesting. This, I just found this table just interesting information. Uh, that's just why I'm sharing it. Uh, if you go to the top five brands smoked in each of the categories, you go to premium cigars. The number one in the survey was Cohiba. Um, being in the United States, just to clarify, this has. I, don't believe this has anything to do with Habanos' Cohiba from Cuba. This is the American Cohibas made by General in the Dominican Republic. Um, second brand was Arturo Fuente. Third brand was Romeo y Julieta. Followed by Monte Cristo. And coming in at fifth, Macanudo. Now, you look at that, and uh, it is a premium cigar category. But what is one thing you notice about all of those brands that are listed there? We we mean one more time, just the the, names. the, the brands, yeah, the names, yeah, the brand, the brands, yeah, yeah. So it, it, just in premium cigars in that in uh -huh. that column, it's Cohiba, Arturo Fuente, Romeo y Julieta, Monte Cristo, and Macanudo. They're, they're the, I mean, I just want to make sure I didn't miss anything. They're, they're tried and true brands. Well, not only that, but with the exception of Arturo Fuente, which is still a family-owned brand, the rest of these are owned. Well, they're owned by two two major companies: General Cigar and Altadas. Which yeah, and if you are to Habanos, and yeah, I mean Habanos wouldn't apply here, but yeah, yeah. Um, so those are brand, but those are also brands that historically, um, you have been able to find, um, outside of just cigar shops. Um, they are usually a little bit more accessible, um, because they are in convenience stores and gas stations. Yeah. You go into gas stations and you see like the the little humidor on the counter. What's in there? Cohiba. There's some acid. Yeah. Which we have in the soup. 
Yep, the supermarkets here are similar. They have a, they have humidors there. Right. So yeah, obviously those ones are probably more accessible because they're they're out there more than more places. Most other brands, you know, you probably find more exclusively in a cigar shop. Which again, that's where that kind of conversation kind of comes back to. Well, but you gotta go to a cigar shop. But there are premium cigars that are not that are available outside of cigar shops. So that the, the only thing with that argument being is that I mean, and this is one that shows is yeah, I mean there are brands out there that are available in a much more variety of places. Um, where in those stores is when is where kids have been able to get their hands on things versus mm -hmm. a cigar lounge. You go to a you know, if you're if you're 18 and you go into a cigar lounge and you're trying to like you know fake your way through it, eh, you might get some. It might not be as easy. Good convenience stores, you know, people you you've seen the people working convenience stores, well, half of them don't care. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they'll sell you whatever they want to because they just don't give a shit. Um, you know, so again, I mean, and that's I think just a little interesting you, you, anecdote. That yeah. I picked up. Yeah, no, that's true. Marlboro was listed as the number one cigarette brand. Uh, which was no surprise, followed by Newport's at number two. No surprise. Um, Camel, Pall Mall, and American Spirit round out the end of it. Um, Acid was listed in non-premium cigars at number two behind Black and Mild. Black and Mild was a premium cigar? Non-premium cigar. Oh, non-premium. So Acid was a non-premium cigar? Yes. How did they come up with that? That's, that's what I was... I because thought so, that was because, interesting. Oh, here's why. Because... Well, no, they didn't say anything about categorizing flavors. So, yeah. So, if you look at yeah. the if you look at the number one line going across, doesn't make sense. Yeah, five categories. You have um, in non-premium cigars, cigarillos, and filtered cigars. Black and mild takes it all the way across. Um, in the all other non-premium cigar category, um, and then yeah, acid is number two in the non-premium cigar line. Um, and then you have Dutch Master, Swisher Sweets, and White Owl. Cigarillos is Black and Mild, Swisher Sweets, Backwoods, White Owl, Dutch Masters. Filtered Cigars, Black and Mild, Cheyenne, Swisher Sweets, 305s, Dijarum, and then if I read the cigarettes, which I don't even, it's, doesn't really have anything to do with us anyway. But I, I thought that was interesting. Acid in the non-premium cigar section. Can I see this? Yep. There was another sure. page that had some interesting. Take it away. Um, I don't know. Again, that, that is, uh, just doesn't just, make sense. Just just a little interesting chart I found. I was like, this is kind of weird. Um, but Drew Estates could be all over that. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they will. They should be. You know, Drew Estate, especially by name, has been mentioned and 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 stuck around. I mean, they're owned by Swisher International. Swisher Sweets are in there. Acids in there. Um, you know, but they're an easy target, Drew Estate, because yeah. they've always been a brand more for the contemporary under thirty smoker, not under twenty one smoker, under thirty smoker. You know, and, and in recent years they've they've tried to expand beyond that. You know, but but you know, Acid was a line specifically designed, I think, for people twenty one to thirty. You know what else I thought was interesting? And nothing wrong with that. And nothing wrong with that, by the way. No. So, but it made them an easier target. Right. I just thought of something else too, a little unrelated. Uh, there's another chart in there, and I, I have to find it at some point. I don't remember exactly where it is, but if I can find it, I will. It was a chart that displayed like the top ten. I think it was like the top ten cigar uh, premium cigar brands by nicotine level. 
Like Interesting. Like by, I, I like didn't percentage. see that. I, yeah. That was like a per, like per, by percentage. And Davidoff was like the number one. Huh? It was at like 20. Like the it was like the average. Um, it was like the average across like all of their stuff. Like their nicotine well, they, percentage. They count Camacho. Maybe they count Camacho. I'd have to. I have to find that chart to get the the yeah. the, the, the specifics mm-hmm. to, to make sense. But Davidoff was in there at like twenty seven percent, which was interesting. See, Arturo Fuente was at like eighteen. Um, uh, my father was in there. Um, I'm trying to remember who else, but I, th- I think it might have been closer to the front of the book, where it talked more about like the specifics on like cigars and the health effects and stuff like that i think it was in that area i have to find it but i remember looking at it, i was like oh that's interesting and i was like well so who has the highest number and it was davidoff and i was like huh hmm, davidoff interesting they had the I'm highest like, I found the percentage chart, actually it's on I'm oh like you did at it. what page is it on so i have the online version what page it is was that? it says tobacco nicotine it actually had um it says 73 on mine oh here it is you found it it's right here yeah yeah so i'm looking at this actually cao was a little higher but but davidoff was much oh no this is not one this on is, the hot this is size this is not it looked like oh this, okay i'm looking you're, at you're si- oh no you're right i'm looking at the wrong column yes davidoff is at the top what page are you if on you look at the fourth column 73 if you look at the fourth column yeah oh yeah here it is i was looking at the mean yeah i was looking at the wrong column so it's interesting the so you fourth have... column... oh go ahead Coop. what were we gonna say yeah davidoff was one gurker was two and it looks like Romeo Julieta was three. So just so. Oh, no, Monte Cristo. Monte Cristo. I'm sorry. Monte Cristo was two. Gurkha was three. Romeo Julieta was four. So just so that way, uh, folks who are listening and watching at home who, who don't have eyes on what we're seeing. So when you, on page 73, there's table 2 2 tobacco nicotine content in a sample of premium cigars. And there is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. There's 15 brands here. Why is uh, Romeo Julieta and Monte Cristo separate? That makes no sense. And it's and the columns are number of cigars measured, which most of them were three. Yeah. Rocky Patel was measured in four, and CAO was measured in two, but the rest were measured in three cigars. Then there's the mean weight, mean nicotine yeah. concentration, and then total nicotine per premium cigar in milligrams per stick. Um, Arturo Fuente was I – don't, I don't think these are listed in order – um, I think they're alpha, I think they're alphabetical. But Arturo, so Arturo Fuente, uh, three cigars measured, mean weight of nine point six three, which was the smallest sample. Most of these were anywhere from twelve to <coughs> seventeen. They were had, their mean weight was nine point six three, and their mean nicotine concentration was seventeen point seven six with one hundred and seventy point four milligrams per stick. You go down to Davidoff. Which was mean weight of sixteen point um, three grams, mean nicotine concentration, milligrams per grams of tobacco, was twenty six point five, and the total nicotine per stick is four hundred and thirty eight milligrams per stick of nicotine. It, the data makes no sense to me when I'm looking at this. Yeah, see, because, this because why? I don't understand why Davidoff's all grouped together, unless they're just counting Davidoff and not Camacho. And then they have La Gloria Macanudo, Partagas, which are all part of the same company. I, I think the the problem is some of these are company slated and some of these are brand slated, and it doesn't make sense to me. Because does Arturo Fuente include Opus X? Like, and it looks like no from maybe the Mean Grade thing, right? Right. 
this this looks like they didn't capture the data correctly here. Robert Johnson commented, "Hey guys, hope you guys and young lady know these cigars. Uh, know those cigars called? They used they used to smoke weed in them. I, I know that a lot of that stuff was used for like blunt wraps and stuff. That I would yeah. get that. But unfortunately, yeah. for the sake of our conversation, that's really not being looked at it that way. Yeah, I do. He, he's right, and that that's true. But not all. I mean, but there are a lot of people who do smoke them for what they are too, and for the sake of what we're talking about, it that really you really can't count that in. But what you really think about too is that they in the non-premium cigar category, not the premium, is where you're seeing the most overlap actually with what you would consider used for weed. So yeah. there was, and that was the table I was trying to find is that, um, not that that not that they're actually comparing it to weed, but the most overlap with um, cigarette smokers is actually with people who smoke black and milds and non-premium cigars. Um, and not with premium cigars. Um, the people that smoke the other types of products are overlapping more than actually people who solely smoke premium cigars, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. true. I just that's I can't true. remember. Yeah, what yeah, yeah, yeah no, I see what you're saying. Like, yeah. There's a whole. They have a whole um, mm-hmm. data point on just that, like where the most overlap is. Right. Uh, and again, and, but and again, that's it's Nicole's point that she made i mean th- there's variables with this too and yeah um un- unfortunately it- it's not as black and white as it seems because while it, on paper it's that way it's again the, i'll say it again it's the way that the raw the raw information here and again what like jay said whether it's not it's very scientifically backed or whatever this is still a, a document that has information on it that's going to be put in front of you know, many different organizations, such as right, the right. and it's they're going to look at this black and white on paper and go, hmm. and they're going to make wow, there's a lot of n- yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, there's no no one. These else guys say there's no nicotine option yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of, of a report. No one else is going to do a report because yeah. right. it costs You're money to do that. So, hundred <laughs> percent right, Nicole. That's a great point. <laughs> like, cost money. Why do another one? We got it right here. Yeah, it says it here. Look at this. Yep, that's absolutely. I mean, there's a lot, and again, there's a lot in this book. We're not going to dissect this whole book tonight, but just bringing up certain things that, you know, I, like I've seen, and I'm sure, you know, Coop's seen some things, which he actually brought to my attention, I found, um, and we we have talked about some of those things. But it, it's just, it's it's certain things that, you know, are in here that I think are worth, you know, talking about, because I don't know if anyone's actually gone on the air with this book or this document and actually picked apart some of these things and, and, and talked about it. Mo- I think most yeah. people have either heard about it or they, they opened it up, they glanced through a few pages like, oh. Um, but I think more well, people needed to like actually read through this and understand what it is. Well, and, th- and there's some other things. So, like, I mean, I'm not trying to be rude with this comment, but there's a page, too, that says, um, you know, smokers are, you know, cardiovascularly cigar smokers. Um just not as healthy right but if you think of who the average cigar smoker is it tends to be an older gentleman <laughs> of us well think of the age demographic that most cigar smokers are i'm just saying which, that, it, uh, which, that, the, that the health might not be because of the cigar smoking yeah it's just because you're se, old which happens that, to everybody but that just so happens to be the main group so you can't <laughs> i'm just i'm just trying to make a point there that it's <laughs> You know, obviously, like, if you're older, you're already going to be predispositioned for certain health, you know, backgrounds and things like that. So, but that's where they're pulling the data. So you have to then 
sort of dissect that for what it is, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's. It, I mean, it's it's true. It's I mean, not necessarily it, it, the cigars. Yes, there's the overlap, but I wouldn't say that if they weren't smoking cigars, they still would be very healthy, right? <laughs> you know what else I thought was interesting, Coop? Did you happen to see? Um, there's a there's a, a chart here uh, on page 169 and 170, and it's the total count and retailer density of 2019 to 2021 premium cigar association members but in member retailers by state in the United States. And I was looking at it and like maybe I don't know. I, I just found it interesting. You know I saw this and I'm looking at it now again. Like Massachusetts claims they have 17 I, premium yeah, cigar it, association retail. I'm going to tell you we live in Massachusetts. I can North Carolina's maybe, got more, I can maybe yeah. dig up like seven or eight and that's just the ones that i know of maybe there's a few more i don't but i'm like i don't know it seems like a lot for Massachusetts. total count so count represent number of retailers right florida 220 that's no surprise yeah but but here's the thing new york's got thir- well maybe new york's got 39 versus north carolina 53 i get new york's got more smoking restrictions but that seems awful those numbers don't seem right but I would be curious to to like ask like Scott Pierce and Glenn Loop. And, and yeah, this is like, a good question. How, what's the accuracy of this? this, How this table? Georgia only have twenty nine. Atlanta alone has fifty. Maybe they're not all members of the PCA. Then that's uh, that's okay. Maybe that's what you kind of maybe. Look. Rhode Island, who I mean has a shit ton of shops down there. They only get eight. But how many are PCA? I mean, but I guess you're right. Maybe not all of them are PCA members. I I don't know. But again, I just I just. I'm seeing it here, but I'd like to hear it from the horse's mouth. Like, what, are the, what is the accuracy of some of these numbers? Um, yeah, this is a very good one. I'd actually like to see them comment on this a bit. Um, de- the density numbers are a little confusing to me, but okay. Yeah, Jay just said Atlanta has like 100 cigar stores. Yeah, Atlanta, but Atlanta, like, that's what I was like, saying. Literally, Atlanta, literally, not no, he's not, he's not wrong. He, <laughs> he's like, not, no, they he's have not a lot wrong. of shops. A, yeah. So, but I'm wondering if a lot of them aren't PCA members. It's true, too. So, that, that's kind of, I mean, I'd be curious. Jay, I mean, I don't know if you guys could do some homework on the PCA at some point with these numbers, but uh, interesting. You know, I, I saw this, but I didn't pay much attention to it. Um, you you know, when I went, because I, I haven't gone through it as much as, you know, you have yet. But, uh, uh, yeah, interesting. Very, very interesting. Um, Vermont has zero. West Virginia has one. Now, let's, uh, can I just say that North Dakota has zero. Um, can I just say this, too? If this is accurate, and, Jay, I'll speak directly <laughs> to you. Um, n- not an attack on you guys, um, but if that's true, knowing what we know about some of these states and how many <laughs> cigar shops there actually are, I mean, we, we need to uh, I, we need to step up our game a little yeah. bit here as an industry. we got to get some more people on board because... Wow, I feel good because on on Thursday's show we, we were talking about the TAA and I gave a hypothetical example and I didn't want to pick a place that had like stores TAA stores. Yeah. So the fact that there's zero in the PCA report made me think I picked North Dakota was the state I picked as the example and it was Bismarck in North Dakota as an example I just threw out there. So I kind of feel good I picked something pretty neutral that I probably didn't piss anyone off. Yeah, I um. I, I think that's a safe bet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just again, I just I thought it was so interesting. I'm like, wow, these yeah. numbers are interesting. But you're right. Maybe if if it's true, maybe they're just not all PCA members, which is possible. But 
if that is the case, I mean, wow, we need to get some more strength here. Yeah. Which is uh, was something I didn't even realize. Was, uh, Texas is 104. Um, Virginia has 50. So Virginia has 50. West Virginia only has one. Yeah. Uh, North Carolina has 53. That's your neck of the woods. That seems, And that seems high. i got to be honest with you. Right? I mean, I know most of this tobacco and major – I mean, I would have thought maybe 30, 25 to 30 is what would have came up for me. Um, because, like, Charlotte and Raleigh are the two biggest cities – and there's not even anything close to Atlanta in those two cities. Yeah. New Hampshire was at 14. Because here's what's really weird about I'm looking at this. This data is Virginia has got 50. They're saying Virginia has 50. North Carolina has 53. And Georgia has 28, 29. No, the reps, the way the reps work with North Carolina is there's very few North Carolina dedicated reps. So reps either cover Virginia and North Carolina or they cover Georgia and the Carolinas. And when in the case of the Virginia and the Georgia case, the Carolinas are the secondary market. So they don't spend a lot of time here is what I'm saying. Mm. So it, it's just kind of interesting that this has to be PCA data and not and that's not accounting for the non-member data. I, that's a big joke is reps don't want to come to North Carolina a lot of times. So they come up like once a quarter or something like that for these areas. Wow, this is interesting. That was... I've talked to a few reps who talk about like some of the Midwest states and how often they really go out there. So like there's a few reps I know who will cover like the Southwest, but then they have like Kansas. And yeah. And they, they spend a lot of their time in the Southwest and then they'll pick four days once a year where they fly out to Kansas or wherever. They spend yeah. four days in the whole state, and then they're out of there for, for a year. Yeah. I, I remember when Tony Gomez of LaFleur was a rep. Uh, he would cover Florida, and then he had Colorado. Like, those are the two states he had. <laughs> and, you know, pretty much he spent most of the time in Florida. So, uh, I've, and I've seen, I think McAuliffe has a couple of cases like that with their territory and breakdown. Right. Uh, like, where there's just outlier states, and someone covers it. Like, even in my day job right now, I have an outlier state I cover. It's Minnesota. So, um, I get up Minnesota, well, not with the pandemic. I was supposed to be getting up there. But, but yeah, I probably, you know, it's not something I would be up there every week. Now, another interesting one is on page 107, table 3-1. United States cigar consumption in billions of sticks, 2010 to 2020. So, I want you to, like, everyone to pay attention to what Matt said. Consumption, not sales. True. That's I think that's an important number there. Consumption, not sales. U.S. cigar consumption in billions of sticks from 2010 right. to 2020. And it's broken up in, um, you know, all the years, 2010 through 2020, and then there's four columns with a line through it. So you have small cigars, large cigars, large cigars class H, um, and then under the under under that line you have in that same order non not premium not premium maybe premium and then the last column is percent of market that may be premium um so you have to kind of look at this in a few different ways and this again this is another one of those things where it would probably be nice to to see it for yourself um well like all right so for example so 2010 small cigars not premium it's 0.9% almost 
So one, it was a 0.98%. Large cigars not premium, 11.9%. Large cigars class H may be premium, 0.33%. So again, when you're talking about maybe premium, and then the last one there was percent of market that may be premium, 2.5%. Um, this data makes a little more sense to me. Yeah. Because I noticed there's a spike in 2016. Um, it seems been sustained. And 2016 was when everyone was throwing everything but the kitchen sink into the market because they wanted they were worried about getting stuff out before the predicate date. So more 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 sense of the market could ultimately lead to more consumption. So I could see I could see why there was a spike. So if you just look at the last column, percent of market that may be premium. Again, this is the U.S. cigar consumption in billions of sticks. So in 2010, it's at 2, 2.5%. 2011, it's 2.6%. And then you see a drop-off. So from 2012, you get 2%. Next year, you get 1.7%. Next year, you get 1.5%. Next year, you get 1.8%. And then, like you said, Coop, 2016, you see 2.7%. And then next year, you have 2.8%. Then 3.0%. Then 2.7%. And then 2020, 2.9%. So yeah. it did. It, 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 it went back up. Um, which is also true. Yeah, I mean, what it wasn't a said. huge. Yeah, there was a slight drop in like 2013 and 15, but then it was a spike and it sustained it um, since then. So, <clears throat> also, I'd be curious to see if this continued another two years with the whole pandemic and the way that the market changed during that time. Yeah, the 2021 data would really be interesting to me to see that. 2021, I would. think that would be close to four percent i mean that'd be that'd be interesting that's a big spike that would be a big because again we're talking we're still talking consumption here yeah but again a lot of premium cigars were consumed from that 2020 to 2021 period um we saw that we know that we've talked about it hundreds of times we, we lived it we were there yeah. um we've talked to retailers who were selling products out the door yeah. and like a lot of people were smoking cigars during that time yeah. Um, there's been, you know, another boom, you know. Um, okay, so maybe the slight point three drop was in 2019 is when I could smoke for three months. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I, maybe I could I contributed to that drop. <laughs> it was all on you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm. So I'm just trying to keep this lit. I'm almost at the end of that H99. I'm still smoking it. Nice. This is smoking, by the way, this this this, this diesel whiskey row Churchill. Yeah, legitimate core line to pick up is Churchill size. It's a great Churchill. I'm really enjoying it. I was worried that maybe I had to sit in for a while. It would be nope, fantastic. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I'll have to yeah. check that one out. Yeah, I like picking on Justin about his blends. I can't pick on him with this one. This is good. Absolutely. I uh, I, I like I said, I'll have to try that one out. The, the H99 is it continues to burn. It. One thing I'll say is it's it's pretty consistent. It's not as complex. Did did as you I find the nicotine? Did you find the? Well, we're talking nicotine. It was. I thought that cigar really kicked in strength in the second half when I had it. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I I I I I'm with you on that. Based on the just on this first one that I've had. Yeah. I yeah. Agree. Yep. I could feel it. Yeah. It was. It was. I didn't expect it. I wasn't seeing that coming. Would it? Um. But again, so I mean, there's this. This is just little interesting parts from all over this thing yep. that we've we've seen, and um, it's just some good stuff you picked up. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, like I said, 
obviously I had things I couldn't get to it, but uh, I've gotten to some of this, and this is interesting. If you go to page 115, you have flavored cigar use as a whole section, um, which I, I haven't looked into this yet, so I don't really want to dive too deep into yeah. it because I want to I want to do a little homework on it first. But, yeah. I mean, I'm just – like as we're on the so, air, I'm also like just kind of searching through this too just because there, there are little pieces all over this thing that are just so quaint. So let me, let me talk a little about patterns though. Because this is what we're kind of in there, so you know this is what the this is what FDA is looking at. Um, let's say they ban they ban flavored cigars tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. They look at okay, have they eliminated? Have they reduced the amount of people consuming cigars or not? And what they're specifically trying to find out is, are the people using flavored cigars going over to traditional cigars? Are they going to, you know, maybe non-premium things? That's what they're looking at here, uh, and that's, and then they're going to look at the refine the question, say how likely is the kid to go do that. So that's what yeah. that's what they're looking at with patterns of use here, and that's why you're seeing the data you're seeing in here. Right. Um. That's the re. That's their. That's the rationale there. I and I noticed because I've I've read some of the uh, advanced rulemaking notice reports for commenting, and that's how a lot of this goes. That okay, if someone's going off the flavored, what what happens? So, if you look at that, um, the beginning of this section on page 115, uh, it starts off, flavors are common in the non-premium cigar market. Uh, one, sorry, if I if I jump around, it's because I'm also trying to like get through like the references and the stuff that's noted next to those facts. Um, so one. One component of this report's operational definition for premium cigars is that the cigar or brand does not have a characterizing flavor other than tobacco. A few brands, such as Acid, here we go again, calling out Drew Estate, resemble premium cigars. They are large, handmade, wrapped in whole leaf tobacco with long filler tobacco and lacking tips, but do offer flavored varieties. Understanding the role of flavors in cigar use is important because of the stark differences in the mass-produced versus premium cigar marketplace. See chapters 2 and 5 for more information about flavored cigar manufacturing and potential health effects. In recent years, cigars with characterizing flavors such as menthol, fruit, alcohol, or candy have become increasingly popular. For example, flavored cigar sales in convenience stores increased from 801.2 million in 2008 to 1.1... Uh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, 1.1 billion in 2015. Uh, research has found that fruit and sweet tasting flavors capture over 60% of the national market share of flavored cigar sales. Alcohol flavored cigars that include wine, beer, spirits, liquors, and mixed drinks have significantly gained U.S. market shares of flavored cigar products during the past decade. Reporting use of a flavored usual brand occurred less frequently by premium cigar users compared with all other cigar types. Uh, availability of cigars in flavors, 48.6 to 71.9%, was a common reason given by at least half of cigar users regardless of type. Specifically, 48.6% of premium cigar users endorsed the reason, quote, they come in flavors I like, end quote, for cigar smoking. So what's interesting here, uh, 
Sorry, I'm just continuing to read, just not aloud. Flavored tobacco products are generally known to appeal to young people, but flavored cigars are especially popular among youth. Um, importantly, users report that cigar products are appealing for reasons such as palatability, and this factor also predicts their use. Um, and it, it kind of goes on and on and on from there. But again, this is all the a lot of the same stuff we've already talked about in regards to the flavored topic and flavored cigars and all and all of that. Um, me reading that to you, I don't know if you're reading that too. Uh, what, what's your take on that? Section? Yeah, I'm kind of looking at it as well. Yeah, I got I got to pull more analysis on this to be honest with you. You what? I'm a little confused what they're saying here to be honest with you. It's a little. I mean. Yeah. It's a little all over the place, but some of it, like I, I, I see, and like I, and it's, it's, it's yeah. stuff that I've heard before, um, especially like when they they put the quote in there, they come in flavors I like, um, right. Again, but that's and, and again that's that's a, that's another argument slash discussion slash whatever the fuck you want to call it. Like yeah, I, I they're, they're they're trying to find ways where this would be you know, and I think uh, look at the vape thing, right? Just for mm -hmm. just for the yep. you know when the vapes came out, right? And then you go to a vape store and they had all the juices that you put in the thing, and they were all like bubble gum and cereal and Eggo waffles with maple syrup and like yeah, kids like that shit. It's like candy. It's sweet, sugary. Um, that became a problem. I remember here in Massachusetts, they they banned vape sales for like four months mm -hmm. while they tried to get a hold on what was going on because so many kids were like. Oh well, vaping's not like cigarettes, so it's so much safer. I'll just do that, and I can taste all right, the right, right. I just want to smoke these cool flavors, and which is true. Kids, you know, obviously, yeah. They, but I really don't think that's the same. I really don't think that's the same as what we're seeing in our industry because it's really not the same experience. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you on that. Um. But yeah, you're right. It, it is a little messy. In this yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get a better uh, grab on it here. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, if you go to page 115, it, it, right into the whole flavored thing. Um, yeah. The next page, you have secondhand smoke exposure, um, co-use of premium cigars with other tobacco products or substances, um, co-use with non-cigar tobacco products. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things here that they put in here in terms of their quote-unquote research. That, um, yeah. And again, I just, I know that this show's a little different than what we normally do. Yeah, so the it's a little more, is a little more dead air, but we're, we're, we're also just processing information yeah. in real time. See, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, like I said, the stuff on secondhand smoke, they, like I, I was looking at that before, and it said, like, there's no data they have, right? But then they said there's health effects of secondhand smoke. Right. They talk about later in the report. So, and, and like I said, I, I think that part, stuff I'd want to do a little more justice before I talk about it. Oh, yeah. And again, I think that's why, you know, like, yeah. and, and, you know, yeah. Jay, Jay brought up a good point earlier. There's not a lot, of, there's not a lot of science behind it. A lot of it's just surveyed research. Yeah. It's not like a lot of like lab it's, study. It's, it's not, and I, and the point I made before, but I see where that, is this isn't like jobs are going to be lost, uh, my civil rights are being violated. That's not what this report is about. Right. That was, I think, that when I said it's more on the science end of things, I shouldn't have said that because 
they, Jay is right. There is a lack of data to, that's been extrapolated for this thing as well. There's there's some points that are made, but yeah. But this is a report where you can say, hands up my cigars, my civil liberties being violated. Look at all these jobs that are going to be lost. That's not what this is doing here. Um, it's an exploratory report is what it is. That's and a good has, word. That's a good word. Yeah. A lot of data. And um, for consumers listening, even if you just got the file and went to all the um, just all the different char- charts, you don't really have to read it word for yeah. word. But the charts do show a lot of data. Um, and it's just interesting to see a lot of the statistics that they sort of compare and bring up. Um, and then at the end of every section, they do come to assumptions, um, which I like to point out because just the way that they laid out the report, um, I believe at the end of every section is where they make um, – where is it right here? Because they use specific wording, but like what conclusions they came from, like if it's likely, not likely, yeah. is how they um, described. Like is it likely that – um, yeah. there's a health risk or, or whatnot. So they, they yeah. look at essentially a bunch of different factors, everything surrounding cigars. Um, but it's really what is now going to happen with the FDA now that they see this specific yeah. report. Yeah. Now, now I got to pick on, I got to do my pick on the, the associations here. Okay. Go uh, ahead. Um, you and I talked about this, Matt. Yep. Why wasn't, why wasn't those zoom calls promoted? to let on consumers but retailers do you know what happened when that zoom call after that zoom call i got phone calls from people asking me you know how it went mm. and i asked a couple of them i said well i i said i said how do you know i even saw it they said well we know you saw it right i said yeah i did i said but what why didn't you look at why didn't you tune in they go we didn't know where it was like there was this was never publicized uh, and these were retailers calling me up, and and some consumers, but mostly more people work in the industry. There was one rep who called me up. Right, this was not publicized anywhere for the industry to even get the people to, to tune into this. And I think that was a big, big miss by by the PCA and the CRA. I don't know what the CAA did, but I couldn't find anything to tell people to make sure you're tuned to your to your computer that that morning, uh, Thursday morning. So I don't know what the reasoning was behind that, but strength in numbers always helps. We always talk about getting people, and people want to get involved, and we talk about transparency. This, I think, was a miss by the trade associations because um, this was a very important call. And by the way, the, the Zoom call, it wasn't heavy. You didn't have to be a rocket science. It was it was distilled to a point that everyone can understand it. So I had to make that comment. No, I, I'm just, I, I'm just, I'm like digesting everything that we, yeah, talked about and, and went through on the show tonight. It was a lot. This is a heavy report. <laughs> it's a 500. Yeah. It is, and and yeah. I don't want to go, and I don't want to go too much more with it because I don't want to like. Really I, I agree. Dry I agree. Out, but I just I wanted agree. to hit on some of the most the the. Yeah. And we talked about like what, like six, seven <laughs> different little topics, out of 520 pages. So, I mean, there's so much more. We just kind of yep. hit on some certain things that you know, yep. we thought were interesting. Uh, but, again, so so wrapping up from that, I mean, th- there's a lot of information in there. There's, there's stuff that I, th- I encourage a lot of people to review and read. Uh, it is available for free online. Um, it's uh, it's good to know. You know, it, it does – will at some point play parts into our, our industry. Um 
It's a little dry, but it's, it's a little good. dry. But I mean, that's and, good, I, and I know it reading. is. I know it is. But it's like, you know, it's unlike you know when you were a kid and you were in school, right? And you'd like be in class and you'd be like, oh, we're never gonna use this. Maybe some of that was true. You know, like why are we learning this shit? Like I'm not gonna do this. I know this is dry, but this does affect you. That's my that's my one statement on it. It's I know it's dry, but if you used to smoke premium cigars regularly enough that you're watching the show tonight, it affects you. Whether or not some of it's true or accurate, it's it's there, and it's gonna be used one way or the other. It does affect yeah. you. That's just that's that's my yeah. piece on it. Yep. So, um, that was pretty much what I wanted to get into tonight on the show. But Coop, yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to dive into on Spare Notes? Yes, I do. Okay. Um, and it's something I've been talking about this week, but I think you and I should talk about it because I, there's a few other things I, I haven't said about it yet. Okay. Um, and that is the excitement uh, that the everyone has around the Tobacconist Association of America exclusive cigars, which were uh, announced at the um, at the convention they had or whatever they have down in Cabo San Lucas. Right. I want to I thank the TAA for once again not getting us the list of these cigars the, to the media but they did get it to aficionados so I want to thank them for that. Um, always take again, care of Marvin we, first. Always take care of Pope Marvin first, right. Pope Marvin's got to be taking care of uh, but, but But, you know, they're at least at least they're getting better. At least they're, like years ago, like, honestly, I'm picking, I'm telling you, four or five years ago, you know how you had to find out about TAA cigars? You had to call up companies finding out if they were going to do a TAA cigar, right? And I said, I ain't doing this anymore, right? This is this is nuts. Um, and I don't see a lot of interest in these cigars is what I want to kind of get into. I, 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 I mean, I do a lot of analytics, Matt, on my website. And I could tell you the TAA cigars are immensely low traffic. Uh, I, and I still review them. I don't know why I do. But they're among, like... There were very few that showed up in the top 500 in terms of tra articles on Coop last year. So, but I thought, Matt, we can go is I have the list here. Uh, thanks to a couple of people who did decide they wanted to get me the information from Cabo San Lucas. Um, and uh, I want to just kind of run down the list first, get some thoughts, and then I want to get your thoughts in general on the, the, this, this series as a whole. Does that sound okay? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I haven't like this is I haven't run down the list on any of my shows yet. So this is something that we would be doing a little different here. So let's start out first. Um, CLE Cigar Company is doing an Asylum 13 cigar in the famous 1118 size. Mm -hmm. So the Asylum 13 is one of their bread and butter cigars, but they're doing it in that classic 1118 size, and that's going to be exclusive to the TAA. I didn't even hear about that one. Well, you see, that's like, most of the media didn't hear about this stuff, right? That's what I didn't I'm hear about that one. And I have kept a decent amount of tabs on TAA. Uh, mm -hmm. I also have been stepped away for the last, like, two weeks or so. Um, uh, yeah, and I yeah, but, and I caught up a lot this week, yeah. But I've kept my eyes on it. Um, right. You know, the major ones that come to mind, and I'm not trying to fuck up your whole plan, but, like, I'll no. just be honest with you right now. The, the, the few that I know about are... From Vilger, Timeless, Veritago, yep. mm -hmm. uh, Tatuaje, and I feel like there's one more that's eluding me right now. How about this next one? 
Crowned Heads, The Lost Angel. Yeah, I didn't hear about that one either. Um, I'm going to say it's about Crowned Heads, and I'm very critical of these TAA cigars. Um, and I'll probably get more into that. People probably know it. They do a good job with their TAA releases. Uh, they put a lot of thought into it. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Hold on, sorry. La Flor Dominicana. That's right. Well, yeah, La Flor Dominicana. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But you know, that was through John. We found out about those. Let's be real. I mean, there wasn't any. Yeah, that's true. It's because I had a conversation with John. I knew about those. I already. Cigars. Yeah, and I already knew about that cigar two years ago. We we knew about this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So Crown Heads is the second one. E.P. Carrillo's got one, uh, a TAA uh, release. I believe it's a Sumatra blend, but they haven't talked much about it. Mm. Ferry Otego is, is doing a timeless. Which, I don't like what they did with it. Which they Mike knows they, why I don't. They, Mike knows they, why I don't like it. They did that under Nat Sherman as well, right? The TAA. Yeah. Timeless. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. They, they and now it's just being. This is the first Ferrio Tago branded one. Right. But I, but I don't like it in bundles. Mike has been only once. He knows how I feel about Mazos. These are supposed to be the best cigars. They should have the best packaging. And a paper bundle for a TA cigar is not acceptable in my book. And, I, and he knows how I feel about that. I'm sure the cigars, like the timeless TA cigars, have been have been great. That's not the issue. But you know, again. Um, well, we all know I how you think, feel about Davidoff doing paper bundles on some of their small batches. I, I don't. I, it's the same thing. Because okay, this is a. Okay, so TA cigars, they're for the best retailers from the best manufacturers, right? And they're supposed to be the, the manufacturers are supposed to be giving very good cigars out. I believe they deserve the best packaging as well. I, I, that's my feeling on that. And a, and a paper bundle is not acceptable by me on that. It, and, it just isn't. And Jay, and Jay made a comment. I didn't even know about it or how to get get on the call and I'm on the board. I think that was about um, the PCA. Thing. About the PCA stuff, yeah. yeah. I think it was the PCA. Sorry, yeah. I thought you were talking about TAA, but then once I read it, I'm like, oh, wait, never mind. That's from before. It's Alphabet Soup here today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, the next one, there is a diesel uh, TAA cigar called The Tempest. Not much has been given out about that yet. Uh, Gurkha, on the other hand, has something called the Colecciona Special. And I kind of like what they're doing here, Gurkha, right? First of all, they, they're supposed to have some nice packaging with this, right? Um, which is one thing. But what they're doing is they're giving a figurado size of this upcoming national release they have called the Collection Especial. Um, I like that. I like that one a lot. So I think that that's something I like, what they're doing with the TA. The fact that they're doing some nice packaging around that, I think, is a good thing. Um, so I'll, I'll give them... I hope the cigar is good, but it's kind of like it has this uh, uh, walnut uh, high-gloss box. So it's supposed to be really nice. That's, that's what I expect the TA cigar to be packaged in, not bundles. Uh, Illusione's got a TA cigar. Uh, Hoya de Nicaragua is bringing back last year's T, uh, TA cigar, which is the Cuatro Cinco Edition Americana, which was a uh, torpedo of the Cuatro Cinco blend. Yeah. La Florida Minicana has two. Yes, they do. They have two, so... If you read some of the aficionado, didn't really cover this well. There's a natural in the Maduro, and it's in the, uh, a Salomon size. It's called the Golden Salomon. It's a 7 by 64 It's based on that same blend they've been using the past three or four years. Which John, the gold, has, the gold John, John has said this will be the end of the gold. This will be the end of it, yes. Yes. And they're going to – now, now LaFleur, another company that I feel puts a lot of thought into the TA cigars. I know this blend is something that they worked on for a while, and they wanted to release some sizes, so – 
I, I will get like Lafleur. I think always does a good job with this. Yep. Uh, La Polina's got a Kill Bill, a new Kill Bill size. Um, it's called La Polina TA Kill Bill TXX. Um, the TXX size has two bullet holes. I guess it's, it's for oh, Kill okay, Bill. Yep. Yep. Um, Rocky Patel has a decade cigar coming out in a Habano wrapper. Hmm. That's intriguing to me a bit, right? But if it's that good, is it going to be something? Maybe, maybe are they going to? I don't know much more about that if they're doing what Gurkha's doing or not. I mean, if they, I think it's good if they're doing what Gurkha's doing. It's a good way to kind of reward that. Um, Tatawahe's got their TA cigars. It's Broadleaf's coming back this year yep. with that new size. No surprise there. Yep. And Villiger, you mentioned, has a TA cigar. And they've done an atrocious job at marketing this. I, I got to be honest <laughs> with you, right? Because, because they haven't responded to my my emails on it, right? Yeah. Um, but I do know something about this cigar because I have a connection with the factory making it. Uh, Lazona is making it. Mm-hmm. So it's the first TA cigar being made by Lazona. But uh, I don't understand why I can't get a message back from Villager on that. But um, th- this is. But that's not. I'm not picking on Villager. Many TA cigars. It's hard to get companies to want to answer questions on these cigars a lot of times, even after they've been announced. So, uh, and I think there's a lot of reasons. But, okay, so Matt, overall, are you excited about these cigars that you heard as a whole? I mean, there's certain ones I understand you made me more excited. Uh, uh, because I'm not. I'm not doing handstands over this set at all. I mean, there's probably like three or four on that list that I'm like, right. I got to try them. Other than that, I'm like, hmm. like, Like, people don't want Ferriotego because they love, they love uh, Ferriotego, right? That's one for me. I don't care about the <coughs> bundle. I know that's yeah. a, the, the paper thing. I know is your thing. Okay, I'm gonna still buy it. I'll still buy the cigar, right? Yeah. So I'm not. That's not the issue. I'll still review it, and the paper bundle doesn't factor into the review. So, uh, I obviously I'm excited about Tatawahe. I mean, I think yeah, he, that's another one. He, he put this series on the map. Yeah. Right. Yep. I am curious about the Villager one because um, it's coming out of Arizona. Um, I know you guys have Hector, uh, Alfonso on the show coming up, right? Uh, next week. Yep. Next week, so Hector is the Hector really is the uh, voice of that factory. Uh, he he's very hands-on with what's going on there, so he can really give you a, a lot of good insights. And Lazona, in my opinion, has done some very good stuff for a very small factory. So it's curious. What's really intriguing about that release for me is that Lazona is, like I said, it's a small factory. Have you been to El Titan de Bronze? I'm trying, in, in, I, I'm trying to remember if I went there. Okay, you've been to Newman Factory, right? Yeah. I don't think it's much bigger than than. It's smaller than the Newman Factory. Yeah, I ha- no, I, small, I don't. I, I, think, that's a small factory. I think I was gonna go, but I didn't end up going. That's what happened. Yeah. Okay. And I, I think the Newman Factory, like uh, Elver Hall, is small. Lazona is smaller than Elver Hall. Keep that in mind. So yeah. it's a small factory making a a pretty elite release. I think it's a good story to to tell. Um. But you know, uh. We I, actually that asylum one I think was a very good move they made with that one too. Yeah, and I didn't uh, even know about that one, but that's definitely another one that I'd be like, yeah, I gotta try that one. Yeah, and it's like I said, you got asylum, 13s, their core, like really their main core line, and 1118s the size that Christian Ardo is known for, and Christian obviously is a partner in the company. Um, that's something that like, yeah, that's that's a cool cigar, and, I'm, uh, and I like this. I, I like asylum 13. I think it's a great line. So, um. You know, so, so yeah, I, I don't know. I just think that, you know, and I've said this a lot, right, on shows. Remember Abe did those uh, Great Smoke cigars the last couple of years? Uh, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, so they did the, you know, he did the Fuente one. 
he's but he's done other ones like Perdomo and Matt Booz. In my opinion, Abe does a better job at selling those cigars than the TAA has. Selling, I mean, the companies can sell, can push these to the TAA retailers with no problem. But I think they don't sell out of the stores very fast unless it's like a Tatawahe. You know, I, I don't see these things fly off the shelves. I, and in fact, I can go back to, I can go Google and get TA cigars from 2018 and 2019 with no problem. And these aren't huge allocations that happen with these cigars. So I don't, I don't see excitement on my website about it. I don't see, we're not exactly doing handstands over all these cigars. Uh, they're sitting on the shelf. I, I, I sometimes just wonder what the purpose of this is now. And I can tell you something else. I, I listened to, I was on, I hosted with Abe this morning. And then I heard Dave Garofalo's show this afternoon. And I can tell you, both those companies, uh, Dave was not high on the TAA cigars, and, and neither was Abe. Both made comments about it today. Yeah, I, um... Dave's comments were, were, were not as heavy. He said, I'm not, he goes, I'm, there's nothing really compelling for me to, you know, for these cigars, is what he said. Yeah, I, um, I missed Cigar Authority. I actually was trying to be there in person, but I, I ended up getting busy with some other stuff. Um, I did catch bits and pieces of KMA. Um, um, so I, I missed that. I'll go back and I'll listen to that. But yeah, I mean, I yep. for me, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, the TAA, the the releases are for the most part. I mean, there's some good ones, and then there's some head scratchers there. And but the, as a whole, it's like not very exciting. And the coverage on it wasn't that great either. I mean, even like on our end, like it was. Well, like what the information that was given to us, like it just yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it, it, you know they it needs to be improved. They've got, I'll say this: they've gotten better because, like I said, it used to be we've got nothing. Companies aren't really forthcoming to want to give this information on the TA cigars. Some of it's because they're lazy. Some of it's because they don't want to jump the gun until it's announced at TAA. Uh, and some of it is they don't know how to do it, right? So I think it's a combination of all those things. Yeah, absolutely. And there's small re- and there's small releases, so they don't want to put a lot of marketing into it. Right. No, I I, yeah. I get that too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I I still think it could be a little bit better, regardless. Um. But we are we are uh, we're running a little bit out of time here. Yeah. Uh, and I yep. want I want to I want to just plug one more thing. Mm-hmm. Um. Before we sign off, and I think that um, I think you know what this is. Um. So Monday the twenty eighth, and that's why Nicole's here with us tonight too. Uh, Monday on the twenty eighth. Is when the 2022 Smoke and Tobacco Cigar Family Charitable Foundation fundraiser will kick off, and it will run for six weeks. Um, official announcement, you know, went out on on our website, Cigar Coop, uh, Cigar Craig, a few others. You guys talked about it on KMA today. I appreciate that. Um, so we're, we are we are the official announcement has gone out. The kickoff will be Monday. Uh, more information will follow. Uh, we'll make another announcement after it is live. Um, on kind of on the link to where it is. And all that. So I'll, we'll send out another blast to everyone on, like, this is where it is, this is where you find it, um, so that we you guys can find it. But essentially, yeah, we have some awesome prizes um, that are up for grabs. Raffle tickets going to be the same, $5 a ticket. Uh, the more tickets you buy, the more chance you have to win. Also, the more money we raise for the great kids down at the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation School in the Dominican yep. Republic, which Coop has been to. Very, very recently, and he has seen for himself. Um, truly a special place. Uh, Nicole, since you're really hands-on with it right now. Oh, my God. I just, I, like, <laughs> today was, like, one of my final days to get the website together for it. So um, so it'll be ready and live for Monday. But 
the prizes total and there are a lot of prizes that don't have a value put on them but the ones that we could value the total prizes are worth over five thousand dollars <laughs> like up for grabs um which to me is crazy we have um i mean i can name some of like the top the just more expensive ones but um our buddy jay davis donated um the daniel marshall um carlito 30th anniversary oh um, yes nice yes nice job jay so that's a yep. whole set that we got um jc newman our friends over there um they donated the diamond crown bundle which is um some accessories as well as a box a signed box of cigars um from the newman nice that's valued at a thousand dollars alone so that's just two of the over 40 prizes um available they also donated um a trip to and it's not the the lodging or the travel there but um it is a tour of the el Rolo factory and a gift card for dinner um in ybor city so that's valued at $350. Um, LFD, a chance to blend your own cigars. So you will work with LFD wow. directly to blend your own eight-count box of cigars. So that is a prize. Um, we also have um, some rare, some of those nice carbon fiber um, Fuente cases that Fuente donated, um, along with the elusive PJ cigar. So five people will get both a carbon Ooh. fiber case and a one stick of the pj mm -hmm. um we have over 10 seven count um opus samplers that we are <laughs> raffling off um we have i like i it, and the list goes on i mean united do, uh, uh, donated um uh the hell homebrew ashtray uh, yep. united camo hat and a box of the um the core line firecrackers well no i was just gonna just share some of the brands in general but like united donated um uh, room 101, Tatuaje, yeah. McAuliffe donated. Drew Estate. Um, Drew Estate. We actually, that's TBD, don't even know. They could top everyone else who knows <laughs> at this point. Um, yeah. But there are some big ticket items on here, which are great. Um, the new Ash uh, Tron. I'm not going to butcher it from LFD. The Ashtronomy Ashtray that oh, Lito yeah. Gomez has been worked on. There's a signed box Ooh. of Andalusian Bulls in there from Lito Gomez as well. Um it just the the list just goes on there's so many great prizes here so many there's, there's a lot of stuff um oh yeah, and in the one that we were talking about before the show the antique um cigar tax stamp form uh wow. from, from our friend Stephen gilbert so that's just a you know if you're a junkie and you love um collecting antiques that is from 1881 <laughs> if you are a cigar smoker and are looking for a talking point to put in your home lounge or if you have a lounge that is a beautiful piece that we're actually going to have framed. Um, we'll frame it yeah, and send it framed. And send it framed. Yep. So, um, um, so yeah, there's a lot of stuff there. Um, and, and more can be added. That's what happened last year as it went on. More people were like, oh, I want to put something in. So um, I did hear you guys talk about it on KMA. And I just wanted to make it clear because I think Abe was confused a little bit too. Yes, the last year it did begin by us donating proceeds from our swag store. Um, although we decided to add a raffle aspect into it and then we decided to just sell straight raffle tickets as well. And that really took off. So this year we, um, there, there was a swag component to it last year. This year we don't, we wanted to make it more simple and just yeah. straightforward. So it's, yep. it's just a straight raffle this year. So, um, if, if you do remember and you're like Abe, you like well last year it is very different from last year it's a little it's more streamlined well, and simple this year last year they were able to do both so you could buy swag you from grew, that thing grew that thing snowballed last year for you guys i think yeah. too yeah so it was a, it was a simple thing right 
then just people, and then when the Fuentes got involved, um, and then other people got involved, I mean, I, I think literally snowballed the day, like leading up to it, and then the day of the raffle was incredible. We didn't think we were going to raise more than like three thousand dollars last Cynthia year. Cynthia kept we... donating stuff that day. We're like, let me add this in. Like, I know she kept. And yeah. you guys get ready to go on vacation. It was kind of a little. We were amusing. flying to Miami the next day. I was like, yeah, oh, God, we're in trouble. Um, well, yeah, because we were just. You, Carney and I ended up finishing up the show that night. I know you guys were on there until almost one in the morning. It was yeah. awesome. Um, <laughs> but we had to ship things out, so that was the thing too. Is we had yeah, to get them yeah. ready. We didn't want to, you know, the winners to wait. Yeah, exactly. For us to come back from our trip. So exactly, yeah. Um, and even this time, I mean, there's over 40 prizes here, and some of them are heavy because they include humidors. There's a lot of humidors to ship out. Yeah, so. yeah there are. There are um, humidors for sure. And ashtrays and lots of espresso sets. There's like quite a few. Yeah, we, we have two of the Fuente, <laughs> the four cup. If you've ever seen the, the Arturo Fuente coffee cups, mm-hmm. they came out with the, the smaller version for espresso, and they come in a four-count pack. We have two of those. There's a, a two a two cup with a saucer, a Tatuaje espresso set that yep. Pete Johnson put in there, as well as um, one of the the very limited Tatuaje ashtrays. I think it's the red one or the green, green, the green the one. Dots, the, yep, dot the dot. The dot ashtrays. The dot. There's a dot ashtray in there. Those items were both donated from Pete Johnson. Uh, Matt Booth graciously gave us a box of the Room 101 10th Anniversary, which came out a couple of years ago. Um, but There's a lot of stuff in there. But anyway, what we're doing is we're doing a special show Monday night where we're the show is just going to be us actually showcasing the prizes on camera so that people can see them yeah. live, what we do have in person. Um, and then for six weeks, we're going to sell some raffle tickets and then we're going to do a fun show where we do something similar, um, and announce the winners live. Now, last year we had like a random generator, like the number generator, and then we were cross checking this year. We were able to pay for a better software now knowing how much volume (laughs) we were going to get from it. Um, so it is done by the website rally up is the host. So there will be a link that so and when we when um, that goes live and the link is there yeah. we're going to get that link everywhere don't worry we will get it out to everybody yep. we'll post in the groups it'll be on smoke it's just the other more media user outlets. friendly yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's, just, it's way more user friendly you can see the prizes more um actually if you share the link you have an opportunity to get more raffle tickets actually so if you share it and then if you get people that. to click that link you get extra raffle tickets so there's also a way to sort of promote and just get extra without you actually having to spend money extra money so yeah i mean it's all about um, you know raising as uh, raising as much money as we can yeah because uh, every dollar counts and uh it, yep. it, it, it goes a long way it I, really i've does. seen it firsthand i'm telling you i've seen it firsthand um and like i said you know everything you because the point the newman's they fund all the admin costs for this foundation but when you go there and you see the school and the medical center and and and, and the kids it's uh it, it well, it's a life-changing experience and, and I'm not the only one that says that. So, Yeah, Tony Bellotto was on with us during the regular show this week, and and he was like, listen, oh, he's like, the, the biggest advice I could give you when you go down there and visit is just bring a lot of tissues. Because I'm telling yeah. you, because I went there, and it it changed my life. It, it really did. And he, he, yeah. he, was, he had so much to say about it. I yeah. mean, a lot of people, you know, if you know, you know. You know, Jay Davis, I know. Jay, is, he's been there yep. a bunch of times. Yep. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, it is. It's a special place. It, it it is, and you know what? When you go there, guess what? You're not going to smoke any cigars, right? And that's not what this is about. The only reference you'll see for the cigar is the name, Cigar Family. That's it. Um, and there was no one jonesing for a cigar. They were like so into this, 
and it was just such a beautiful day to have to go there. And uh, there's an article on Coop, uh, but there's a lot of articles elsewhere you can read as well. I know you guys are going to be heading down there sometime in the, in the later this year, yep. and I'm really excited for you guys to do that because, um, wow, I mean, I can just tell you, I'm excited about what you're doing because I'm excited what, what this is going to do for the um, Cigar Family uh, Foundation down there. Yeah, we're just you know we're just really proud and yeah and and happy to be a part of it too. So yep, um, you know it's our way of giving back for everything that we do do, and um, we appreciate it. We appreciate everyone who who donates and comes out for it. I know the prizes are cool and all that, uh, but it's it's what it represents. Yeah, that's, that's my one reminder to everyone is yep. Yeah. is yep. enjoy that stuff and have fun with it, but also just remember like what it's for. Um, yep. it, it's such a huge thing. Um, so we, we really, really appreciate it, and uh, we're so excited to kick it off. I just I can't wait for it to actually be live and watch everyone you know get so involved in it. And like I said, it's just it's amazing. So um, just in advance, thank you to everyone who you know has supported last year and who will come out and support this year. And it'll be a lot more fun. It'll be a lot less stressful for us this year because we have it really put together. Now last year was the first year, so like it was a lot. There was a learning curve to it. Now we like. All right, now we have a good idea. Like now we applied it this year, it'll be a lot more enjoyable for us too, because it won't be so like on the fly for us. We can kind of just build it, set it, and go, and and kind of have fun with it with you guys as well. So um, we're just we're really excited about that, just to kind of watch it go. Um, but yeah, I mean, like Nicole said, there is some there's some cool stuff there, and it it goes live on Monday, uh, so keep an eye out for it. Coop. It's always a pleasure to have you here on the Spare Notes series. Thank, thank you so much. It meant a lot to be here tonight, so uh, really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, and, yeah. and, Nicole, it was awesome to have you with us, too. You, Absolutely. You were kind of like uh, half in. I know you were working, too, but you were still here, so we, we yeah, appreciate no, that, too. That was awesome. Really, yep, and thanks to our audience as well. We, we can't do it without them. Yeah, and, again, and thank you to the audience. Thank you if you're, whether you're watching with us live, you're watching with us later, or you're listening to us uh, in your car, on your way to work, wherever you are on the podcast channels. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, no matter where you're watching or listening to us, please like and subscribe. Um, and visit SmokingTobacco.com for more information, content, news, and everything else that goes along with what we do. Coop, that's going to be it for us tonight. Let's spare notes. Yeah, absolutely. We'll mm -hmm. be back in, in, in two weeks is roughly when we do. Our, our schedule's been a little wonky the last few months, but there's just been a lot of different shit going on. But... Um, we should, yeah, we, back, we'll we, sh we should be back. We should be back. Yeah, two weeks. Absolutely, that's when we'll have much more to talk about. Oh yeah, there's gonna be a lot more. Um, by then, we'll ha we'll have probably an update on the fundraiser as well. So we'll, it'll be cool. We can kind of share the progress yep. of how that's going. Um, but that's gonna do it, guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Stay smoky. We will see you next time. Take care. Bye.